Harvard Divinity School. Shared Resistance and Solidarity, a Renewed Paradigm, February 15th, 2022. Welcome everyone to the first event in our spring semester series, Disrupting Injustice and Promoting Moral Imagination in Israel-Palestine. My name is Hilary Rantisi, and I am the Associate Director of the Religion, Conflict, and Peace Initiative, a program of religion and public life at Harvard Divinity School. Our work centralizes an analysis of structural injustice, violence, and power, and examines how a more capacious understanding of religion can yield fresh insights into contemporary challenges and opportunities for just peace building. The primary case study we're focusing on is Israel-Palestine, and our aim is to stretch the scholarly discourse around religion and the practices of peace building, and to examine the decolonial potentialities of art, religion, and identity transformation. Our series this semester showcases religion, conflict, and peace fellows and their work. While affiliated with our program, they have all worked on a variety of projects from illuminating tr transnational solidarities to reimagining Jewish identity, to supporting Palestinian steadfastness, smooth, and cultivating moral imagination and creative possibilities for a just peace in Israel-Palestine. We launch our series today with Topol fellow Oriel Eisner, who will be in conversation with his colleagues in co-resistance. Naomi Noor Zahor and Basil Al-Adra in our event entitled Shared Resistance and Solidarity, a Renewed Paradigm. So uh, to start, I invite our guests to come on the screen. So uh, we all see you, so wonderful. Okay, so welcome everyone. I uh, would like to e invite each each one of you to introduce yourselves briefly and to share how you know each other. Um, I'll start first with Oriel. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Oriel Eisner. Uh, I'm an Israeli American uh, activist, been engaged in uh, on the ground work here in Israel Palestine and mostly in the South Hebron Hills for the last seven years. Um, and I've known Basil and been to many an action or uh, other activity in the South during that time. And in the last year and a half, two years, I've been working closely with Noor on developing uh, some projects that we'll talk more about today. Wonderful. Basil, please introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Basil Adra. Uh, resident of Tuani village here in South Hebron Hills, West Bank. Uh, yeah, and uh, activist and journalist in, uh, in the area of South Hebron Hills. I know Oriel and Noor from uh, the field, from working together and uh, being together. Uh, yeah, Wonderful. For some time. <laughs> Wonderful, Noor. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Noor. I'm originally from the north, from the area of Haifa, but now I'm based in, I'm based in uh, Jerusalem. Um, I'm a, an Arabic teacher and an activist and working a lot um, about the connection between uh, learning languages and doing activism and learning a language as an, a way of activism. And in the past year, uh, I've been doing it in the South Suburban Hills, and this is how I got to know uh, Basel, uh, from working together there. Wonderful. So I'm seeing that uh, Noor, you're in one location and Oriel and Basil are in another. And uh, it would be helpful just to situate where you're at, just so that we also can, can be uh, understanding um, a bit more about what's going on and where you're at. So uh, maybe Oriel, you could sort of, uh, give us a lay of the land very briefly <laughs> yeah so basil and i are sitting in uh, tuani basil's village uh, underneath his house in their museum of resistance um, where they have photographs and images from from the struggle here in tuani in the region um, 
and to quickly locate that. And, and Nur is in, in Jerusalem. Um, so we're, we're in two different places, two sides of the green line. Um, and to situate ourselves a bit more on the map, on the map on the left is Israel-Palestine and the green line marked there. The map on the right is a focus in on the West Bank. Um, and here you see areas A, B, and C, which was a designation made in Oslo. The dark brown is area A, which is full Palestinian control. The light brown is area B, which is Palestinian civil control and Israeli security control. And the light blue is area C, which is where we are in Twani, and which is under full Israeli civil and military control. And all of those blue triangles are settlements, which all of the Israeli settlements uh, are located in area C. And where we are specifically is that red block, uh, box at the bottom. And now if you go to the next slide, we can focus in a bit more on where we are, which is uh, the South Hebron Hills, um, and Tuani Village, again, inside that red box. Um, and I think Basil will, in a second, say a bit more about, uh, about what the area yeah. is. But as you can see, it's the bottom edge of the, of the West Bank and the area that is experiencing ongoing and creeping annexation efforts from the Israeli occupation. Thank you, Oriel. Also, you know, looking at the map, you recognize that Area C is it's the largest area in the West Bank. So um, Basil, uh, um, if you could share with us a bit, some background about what is happening in this area in the Southern Hebron Hills and the context in which you're all working and trying to, to do resistance. Yeah, thank you, Hilary. I just want to uh, continue from the point that you end with saying that state land is the uh, largest area of West Bank. It is 60% uh, of West Bank, according to Oslo Agreement, which it was temporary, uh, it's supposed to be temporary agreement between the PA and uh, Israel government, and it continued, lasted until uh, today. Let me just uh, give a big picture about uh, like how uh, the annexation or, or annexing uh, area C that Israel is working on uh, going on. Uh, there is, as we said, that in the blue, uh, it's state land, which is 60% uh, uh, of West Bank. That was declared as a state land in the 80s by the Israeli authorities in order to build settlements and uh, military bases. And there is the, uh, the other part inside the box, uh, I don't know if you can see it like a brown uh, or something something like this where mm -hmm. like uh, not the brown up is yes here uh, this area were declared also as a firing zone this like law that they are using uh, to to declare our uh, communities and our land as a firing as a firing zone this is exists here in in the south Hebron hills and uh, in other places like Jordan Valley uh, in West Bank. These two main laws, Israel is using them in order uh, to kick us out of this land and annex it and uh, build more settlements inside it. Uh, the, these two laws were declared uh, before I born here in the village of Twani and in Area C. So there was already a firing zone and the state land and the settlement of Ma'on that's next to my uh, community. By the second Intifada, Israel started with a new technique uh, uh, to colonize our uh, our land, which is building more uh, outposts like Havat Ma'on. You see Ma'on up, there's Havat Ma'on with orange uh, and other three places with orange like uh, Abigail and Bitsbayir and North Nasher down. Uh, in the other hand, there is 12 com Palestinian community of Masafir Yatta is uh, in the firing zone where the army training. Uh, now, like with these declarations, with these laws that the occupation always uh, declare them or make laws just for uh, themselves and to legitimize the occupation and to help the settlers taking over the land and the army have like uh, excuses to demolish our homes and our structures. So in the end, like uh, if you have been listening in the news or reading articles about demolitions, about settlers' attacks, uh, and the things that we are facing here. We have so many examples and stories. 
it all has uh, one goal in the end. It is to evacuate us as a Palestinian living in Area C toward the Area A, where are the big Palestinian cities that full of people. That's what Israel wants to reach in the end, by kicking us out of it. And uh, let me tell you something. This, for Israel, can be uh, an, an easy act to do, which is to bring uh, trucks and buses, bulldozers, demolish all our uh, homes and roads and structures, sheep shelters, everything we have, and just to remove us out of this, this land in Area C. Uh, and that's easy for them to do, you know. Uh, but that would be uh, a lot of headache and not nice picture, a lot of uh, news in, in the world gonna, gonna talk about it and, you know, human rights organizations, you know, it, it will not be uh, easy to face in, in, in the international community. So instead of that, what they're doing always like expanding settlements and building more outposts uh, and come uh, like declaring like firing zone area, bring the army to, to do the trainings in between our communities as happening here in, in Masafriyata, within their tanks, during the night going uh, in between the houses, inside the houses, taking people out and do researching uh, inside their homes and shooting nearby uh, by the homes, uh, run over the, the fields of the people with, the, uh, with their tanks, confiscating uh, mobile clinics, or trucks or tractors that people are using for their daily life uh, alongside with like confiscating sheep as was happening uh, in, the, in the past. And specifically in this, uh, in this line with where is the 12 communities, uh, they were like uh, evacuated in the 1999, but they win a temporary decision in the, in the Israeli high court to go back live in their community. And since they went back, the demolitions has raised against them, uh, bulldozing the roads, cutting water uh, services. And if they bring, for example, solar panel for lights, since we they can't have like uh, electric, normal electricity or roads, uh, it all prevented. All life requirements in this community are prevented. Uh, so that to put more and more pressure on the people so they will uh, so they, 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 in order to make the people here living by themselves, so Israel in the end will show uh, to the world that Palestinians are living by themselves, not because of the occupation are uh, evacuating them. So instead of the scenario that I explained that they can come and evacuate everyone, they're putting daily pressure on our life here in Area C, uh, mainly the demolitions of homes and structures in general, roads, water pipes, water wells. Uh, and the other side, they're using, like, as I said, settlement expansion, uh, outposts, building farms, uh, and allow the settlers to do all uh, like their attacks and building farms. It's, it's totally like here, apartheid, where you can see uh, illegal uh, outposts, according to the even Israeli uh, national law, Settlers there allowed to work all day, all night, digging and building and expanding on our own land. Uh, but Palestinian, like uh, Palestinian people, can't uh, can't build and work. And if they do uh, directly, the Syrian administration or the army will come and demolish it. And they take that so serious and uh, very deep. Uh, last year, at the first of January, the first day of the year. Uh, here nearby the village of Rakiz, uh, which is not written, it's, it's small community, it's not written in, in the map by mistake. There was a, <coughs> a young guy like my generation were working <coughs> you know, with the electricity generator. <coughs> yeah. And he got shot by the Israeli soldiers in his neck for having a generator and working. <laughs> yeah. Basil needs a second to, uh, to catch his breath. So I'll step in and um, Navi, if you, if you want to, um, to drop the map for a second, what I'll do is, like I said, we're in his, uh, his family's home and there's a, a museum of resistance here. So there's a number of pictures around. So maybe 
while Basil is, is getting some water, I'll show some pictures to sort of give a sense of, of where we are. Um, so hopefully you can see it okay. Um, I can try. I noticed that there's quite a bit of glare. Um, but this is sort of a picture of the landscape. It's, it's maybe a bit difficult to see, but just to get a sense of what we're talking about, relatively remote region, uh, arid hillsides, um, and a mix of, uh, of structures that are from a very, very long time ago that are maybe hard to make out in, in your image and houses that have been, more built, been built more recently. But as Basil was saying, many of those homes experience regular home demolitions. And um, that's a major part of what happens in this region. Uh, there was just a series of home demolitions today that Basil was chasing around. Um, and a group of activists who are here were also following. Uh, and it can be, it's a weekly occurrence. Um, and here you can see the family standing outside of their home all across the South Hebron Hills. There are, are demolished homes, demolished water wells, uh, animal shelters, water tanks, solar panels, uh, Israel, um, uses the justification of illegal building to, to destroy homes on a regular basis. Um, you good? <laughs> Vesta's back now, so maybe I'll, I'll let him continue. Uh, I'm sorry again. Thank you, uh, yes, so the situation I, I was explaining, uh, it's a general situation in Area C where Israel like trying to take us away from uh, from this land by using all the technique techniques that I am saying and this is just uh, general uh, techniques or general policies that I am explaining but in the other side there are like the areas full of, of stories uh, if you are interesting to, uh, to 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 hear I know that now there is no enough time for you but at least we are giving you a general uh, picture. Beside that, there are like small victories that happened here in the area of our activism uh, here. For example, I don't know if you can see in this picture, this is my community at Wani uh, almost before 20 years, uh, where we have no paved road, no homes, uh, no electricity, no uh, clinic, for example. But today we have this, uh, these things that I mentioned. And this is because of our activism as a Palestinian on the ground, as activists, as the, the people, as let me say the women of the of this community that they are really always like the, the first line uh, in any uh, facing like any uh, incident by Israeli soldiers, alongside with Israeli left wing activists and international act, uh, activists who's coming to helping us in our steadfastness. So for example, my community, Atwani uh, got master plan uh, before almost 10 years. We succeed uh, in that after 10 years of uh, protesting and buildings uh, during the night and hiding equipments and putting uh, uh, media pressure, even it was small, but uh, we succeeded uh, in doing it also by the help of uh, Israeli lawyer, left-wing lawyer who was uh, helping us. On the other hand, there was like in 2006, uh, a wall that were built in front of my uh, community 20 alongside uh, a road uh, that was in, in the second map. It was written like the road 317. That was uh, the plan of Israel to annex this land uh, within Bir, Bir uh, Sheva, uh, the Negev, the, the desert. So in the, at that time, they were like planning to to beat us inside the wall and uh, annex all this land to be an Israel land. We uh, resist that in over a year of protesting. A lot of people got beaten up and arrested and taken to jail, uh, being uh, like fine, uh, but ended that they, uh, we forced them to remove uh, this wall. This, these are uh, small victories uh, and these things that we are uh, requesting are uh, the basics uh, of our rights that we have to do. All the communities here in Masafariyata uh, should have master plans and the demolitions has to stop. The settlements and the outposts, they are the illegal stuff and they are the, uh, the ones that have to be removed, but they are not the, uh, exactly the opposite that happening. 
nothing here about the law because we are civilians and uh, controlled by a military uh, law and military like soldiers and settlers who the one creating the facts in area C. And to be honest, now it's very clear that the fight uh, on area C is very clear by the Israeli government against the Palestinians who's living uh, here against us uh, without serious support from even the international community, even the BA. Uh, when I sit with diplomats to talk about this, they tell me, ah, oh, we still support two-state solution, that they are still like living in Oslo uh, agreement, or these people really living uh, before 20, in the period of before 20 years. But now the facts on the ground, it's uh, between the sea and the river, there is the 10% 10, 10 of the Jewish are living in, in the area C and in West Bank in this settlement and outposts. This international community who's telling us that they are still supporting two-state solution are not gaining a master plan of a Palestinian community. They want to put a pressure to remove a settlement. I am as a Palestinian, I, I don't believe it. Uh, the United States not supporting on, on that uh, and not standing within our human rights. But in the other, in the other hand, as I, as I said, we are here as an activist with our small power trying to uh, fight for our, not rights, let me be honest, for our surviving today uh, with what's happening here on the ground. Uh, and yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Basil, for, for uh, uh, explaining some of the realities that you are experiencing and, and, and talking about the courageous resistance and the work that you have been doing for many years. Um, um, if, if I could just bring in Oriel, can you share with us a bit about your involvement and some of the history about solidarity work, specifically in the Southern Hebron Hills mm -hmm. and what the Center for Jewish Nonviolence is doing there? Yeah, yeah, so as, as Basil was starting to explain, the South Hebron Hills are a site of um, significant resistance over the last decades um, and a site of many victories uh, against the wall that was being built and then was removed to get a master plan in 20 to resist other encroachment of outposts at, at different times. Um, and into that environment in the mid to late 90s, 97, 98, um, uh, Israeli and international activists started started joining that fight and supporting those efforts. Um, and the work that I do today, that that Noor and I are a part of today, is very much built on on those efforts. So there there are a few groups um, like Operation Dove, which is an Italian organization, Taayush, which is an Israeli organization that have been in in long relationship in this region for for decades now, um, and supporting the resistance efforts that look like protests and work projects and um, building sort of forward and also uh, activities that are in response to violence. So doc a lot of documentation work um, and trying to bring attention to what's happening here to a Palestinian, to Palestinian media, to Israeli media and to international media um, so that the slow, quiet annexation that Basil was describing isn't going unnoticed and going unspoken. Um, so since, since 1997, there has been a presence of Israeli activists, international activists here. And I've heard Basil tell many groups about how since he was a kid, he remembers meeting Israelis and internationals. Um, and that's been a part of the, the network of resistance here. Um, and as, uh, as a, a younger generation of activists, if you will, uh, Noor and I are stepping into that both as uh, Israelis and as international. Um, and the organization that I work for, the Center for Jewish Nonviolence, uh, usually brings delegations of, of Jewish activists to support what's happening here on the ground, to join in, in work projects in direct actions. Um, but since COVID, that hasn't been possible um, because international travel has been has been prevented for the last year and a half uh, since the pandemic started essentially. Um, and in that sort of void of international presence, 
um, we, and then alongside with Noor and a, a few Israeli activists, and in coordination and conversation with Vassal and other, other Palestinian activists here in the South Hebron Hills, um, developed a new project that brings both Israeli Jews and Jews from abroad, mostly the US, uh, to come and spend time here for three months uh, in, in a daily, daily way, um, showing up to home demolitions, accompanying children, which has been a major part of the solidarity work for the last decades, uh, photographing at home or documenting at home demolitions, incidents of settler violence, um, and those sorts of things. Uh, and we're coming off of, we, it started about a year ago, um, and we actually just this week have brought a new group, Noor just a month ago finished with their second group. Um, so that activity has been in many ways a sort of organic next step to the solidarity activism that existed before. Um, the relationships and trust had been built in such a way that it was possible to step into this much deeper and more immersive form of, of shared resistance and solidarity and, and working together. Wonderful. Thank you, Oriel, for giving us that. And maybe, Nora, you could, um, you know, as an, as an Israeli who joins in co-resistance efforts with Palestinians and other internationals, could you share with us what you're witnessing now in terms of what's the latest developments happening on the ground and whether you see this, what's happening as a significant moment uh, for co-resistance work. Um, yes, I would love to share. I will say more a little bit about where I'm coming from because it's important for your question. And it's part of like the way that we believe that we should uh, do this uh, activism, but um, I'm, I'm like, we're doing the um, work in South Suburban Hills, also with an idea for creating uh, an alternative Arabic course, which will be like a political Arabic course, because usually when Israelis learn Arabic, it's not political at all, which is of course political to separate it from the reality and from the situation. And so we had this idea to, create a, a different course. And then it came together with having more uh, presence in the South Severn Hills. And we, we brought the same, uh, the, the first group uh, one year ago. And it created, like as Ariel said before, like it's been many years, like we're sitting on like many work that have been done before, like with Daesh and other groups that uh, created the connections, but it was like a new generation maybe of like more young people that decided also to come and to learn Arabic uh, with local teachers, uh, with uh, six women that they, they gave uh, uh, lessons for the activists. And many, many people want to learn Arabic. So, and they want to be activists. So we said it cannot be separate. So they go to, the, um, to this area and actually they learn through um, challenging their uh, identity. What does it mean to be an Israeli? Um, and I think that many people are afraid of these questions, like about what does it mean to be an Israeli? Uh, who am I to be here? Or I mean, when they are, when they dare to ask these questions. And I think that what we're doing there is like giving an option for people to ask these questions and actually to go out of the comfort zone and to have some, some, um, um, how do you say, like um, more people with them that they are not alone because we started to create this like net of more and more people that, that actually do actions and they have more support. And I think that there are much more Israelis that are going out of the comfort zone and they connect and they combine to more Israelis that are in the area and that they ask like the hard questions that should be asked when you're doing, like when you're an Israeli. And I think that there are two main things. Like, first of all, as like Israelis activists that we are trying to challenge this course and how do we want to do this activism? And also with our partners, like Palestinian partners, I think that there is more trust and there is more, I don't want it to sound cliche, but when people learn the language, they are they able to communicate more. And when they're in the field, 
like when they are in like something is happening and most of the people in the South Sherborne Hills, they do not speak um, uh, neither Hebrew or uh, English. And so the activists can actually communicate and understand and be more uh, productive uh, in their presence there. Um, and I think like something is changing. I will not say that it's like a huge wave of activists coming to the South Sabon Hills, but for sure we've been witnessing much more people that are going there and there's like a, this uh, net of activists. And whenever something is happening, we actually like a group now of activists that we can send messages and more people know the area and more people write about the area. And I'm preaching you, so I don't want like in, in the in the field in the in South Sherborne Hills, like as I said, I came from more from the north, but I think that it's uh it's quite it's quite amazing. Like the in one year, uh in the past year, like I think few hundreds, I would say, like people came to this area uh, to, the, to to be present and like to support. Um, but yeah, there's still a lot of things that we need to do. And I think for our activism and to bring more people to be present. Um, but shwai shwai, like it's slowly, it's getting more, more to more and more people. So, so building sort of building on the movement, but obviously, despite COVID, it sounds like that there is momentum, that there is some change um, that you're seeing on the ground. I mean, I have so many questions in my mind about uh, about Israeli presence here and, and and the transformation that maybe going through, or the questions they're asking about, and also their interaction with other Israelis, whether they're settlers or soldiers, but maybe we can get more to that. I, I would like to sort of, given all that has been going on this past year and the increased violence uh, against Palestinians in these areas and the, the displacement that continues daily, just as we have heard, um, can I would, I would like to invite each of you to sort of um, reflect on um, what has, this has meant to you, what, what has transpired in the last year has meant for you in terms of your activism and, and the, the movement in general. Um, so I don't know who, Oriel, if you want to start, then we can move to, to Basel to hear um, what your thoughts are. Sure. Um, yeah, I think for myself, like I said, I've been active in this region for the last seven years or so, um, but not in nearly as, uh, as deep a way as in the last year. Um, and I think what it, what's some, some of what has changed for me, and maybe by way of talking about what's changed for me, I can talk about some more general notes. I think um, the experience of uh, being here every single day, um, and facing military and settler violence every single day or going out into the field to be with Palestinian shepherds um, to accompany school kids, as I mentioned before, uh, to live in a Palestinian village and learn Arabic and, and deepen the connections that already exist. Um, feels like it's been uh, a change, a shift, and a next step in terms of what feels possible in terms of how I can be as a Jewish person, as an Israeli person, uh, and what and sort of creating an identity that's one that's about resistance to apartheid policies, resistance to Jewish expansionism in this area, um, and have, as you mentioned, the, the last year has been there's been an uptick in violence and a massive increase in settler violence. And a lot of that has transpired and been felt in the South Hebron Hills. And there were a number of, of horribly violent incidents that um, took place in the last year and a half, two years. And that were uh, sort of st stood on their own as, as shocking moments and then put them together 
within the context of 12 months. It was really quite extraordinary. And saying that more so from a place of having heard others, Palestinians and Israelis who have been doing this work for decades, talking about the, this, the sort of horror of this last year, um, experiencing that alongside Basel, alongside Noor, alongside others in the region um, has obviously been challenging and horrific, first and foremost for the residents whose villages are attacked, um, but has also been uh, somewhat groundbreaking for me in terms of how I understand who I am in this work, who I am in this place, um, and what is what is sort of the way forward. Um, and to maybe just give one example, and then I'll I'll pass it over. I, Bass and I have been in a few uh, a few tough situations in the last twelve months. A few different settler attacks or uh, army incursions, um, and the experience of being at a settler attack uh, and seeing the Israeli army, Jewish settlers attacking a village, and then turn to face Bass and I and chase us away, um, quite starkly sort of draws the lines of which side you stand on, which, uh, which future you try and connect yourself to. Um, and it's not just the one that the sort of entire world around us is trying to tell us to do, which is Jews are on one side, Palestinians are on the other side, and they're enemies and they hate each other. Um, but it actually shows that you can, you can create a future that's crossing across those identities and is one that's based on values of equality and justice and simple rights. And as Basil said, the situation right now is just survival, fighting for the survival of Palestinians in this land, the ability to stay on their land. Um, so for me, the experience of being in in such immersive solidarity work in the last year. And I think seeing that for others as well who have come down, uh, as Noel was saying, there have been people who have come down for weekend shifts, weekly shifts, mostly Israelis. Uh, I think that experience is, is pretty radical and um, sort of world-making in terms of how people understand who they are and who they can be in resisting the occupation, resisting apartheid, resisting creeping annexation. Thank you. Um, Basil, from, from your end, I mean, you have all your life had to deal with this, um, these constant attempts to displace you. And what was described now also is the increased violence, but also this sort of movement of people who are coming in solidarity how do you see this last year? How do you see the movement? What does this all mean for you? Uh, <clears throat> after, like, let me just uh, explain something. After decades of occupation and the situation, I explained uh, how it's, yeah, they are doing it slowly and by making uh, the things that they are doing against us by uh, demolition uh, of our homes and uh, water wells and electricity and taking over the land and give it uh, to the settlers uh, became like kind of a routine, like not interesting for people even to talk about. I see it and not even for uh, the most of the media to talk about home demolitions that happening against Palestinians. Uh, so in my area, for example, in South Hebron Hills, uh, this uh, effect the young generation who's not uh, having any future by uh, guarantee that they will build a home and it won't be demolished. And the other, the other thing, uh, which is very important since all the people here are farmers and keep losing their fields and their land uh, to, to be given to the settlers. Uh, and it's like the, the, the main life resource for the for us as a Palestinians living in in Masafariyatta in South Hebron Hills is farming, and uh, to keep uh, to have having a sheep, uh, simply. Mm -hmm. So that affected, for example, since two thousand in two thousand, where like in Masafariyatta, a uh, hundred thousand sheep in the area of Masafariyatta for the Palestinians who's living here and the resource of their life. Now by all this. Uh, by all these attacks and taking over the land, 
uh, it shifted today, the number it's uh, 15,000, like it's a huge difference. And the young generations who are supposed to be working in their land and helping their families uh, and to be farmers uh, and have simple life here <clears throat> in their land, they're shifted to be workers in Israel or in the settlements uh, near them. So this is also a strategy that they used <clears throat> and sad to say uh, they succeed in it. Uh, as I said, our activism is just uh, just uh, few. Uh, we are, the, as a Palestinian activist on the ground, like me, are the most ones who's affected uh, because uh, to say Noor is Israeli and Oriel as well, Israeli-American, they are both Jews. Uh, there is very uh, clear even uh, apartheid situation even in this thing. Uh, even me and Oriel were running away from settlers' attacks uh, and others, uh, other activists like Israelis or Americans have been attacked here uh, as we are. But at the end of the day, uh, they are Israelis, they are Jewish, so they have the right that I don't have as a Palestinian. Uh, Israeli army can do things to me as they can't do to the to, to them. Uh, but that, that doesn't mean that I don't thank them for coming and uh, giving us the time and staying in, in the communities here in Masafriyatta uh, and trying to help. But uh, we're not giving up at the end of the day uh, in these situations. But to be honest, it's uh, it's not easy and uh, it's it's not fun to be activist in this situation. It's not easy easy life. Uh, it's not as something that I cho I choose uh, to be uh, today. Like I've been in this situation because of, of mainly because of my parents who who've been activists. Uh, the only thing I I I have different than them that have English language. Uh, even it's not that good, but at least to communicate with the people and to tell the stories of the communities. I learn how to use the camera. Uh, I write sometimes articles about what's going on here in order to uh, to wish a change of our situation here uh, in South Hebron Hills, even if it's hard. This year, within all the increase of uh, demolitions and all the things that I've been saying, uh, Oriel just mentioned the settlers' attacks and settlers' pogroms against us. Within that, Israeli army uh, allowed the settlers to create 30 uh, new farms across West Bank uh, and to allow the settlers uh, doing these attacks. This involved of attacks and, uh, and farms, it's very clear that not just a group of settlers want to do pogroms, uh, even the Israeli foreign minister wrote in his Twitter that this terrorist group doing attacks uh, in order to show the international community that there is Israeli a uh, nice government who's taking care of, of these problems and uh, trying to solve it. It's not totally, it's not true. The settlers are here uh, to do the goals uh, of the occupation, which is to colonize the land and uh, kicking us out of it. Uh, so for that, always you see the settlers are backing with the soldiers in their attacks. Soldiers just shoot tear gas, live fire bullets if it needed against the Palestinians who try to stand and to face the settlers. These attacks, uh, settlers, uh, Oriel mentioned that the attack were in the village, uh, which is pretty new. You, uh, in the past, we the attacks would be against uh, Shepard, which is still happening. But to shift the attacks of, of the settlers and the soldiers arriving in the homes and uh, destroying people's properties inside the home, this is a very new technique and very clear message from the, this state and these authorities and these settlers that we are living in an secure situation. Our life will never be safety here uh, under the control of this army and these settlers who themselves, like settlers, uh, who come to attack us uh, are are the ones who go to the army and serve not not all of them but this is how it work uh, in this apartheid uh, situation so the shift that happened in corona pandemic and especially last year uh, it's disgusting even to describe it it's unbelievable even for us living here and this is putting to be honest more challenge uh, in front of our efforts as an activist 
uh, on the ground, uh, even Israeli and American, and us as a Palestinian to stand uh, in front of it. I beg to say we're not giving up. We're always uh, within our community, standing with the, within our rights. But on the other hand, we wish that the international community, the US, uh, Clinton, who's always saying uh, and uh, calling for respecting of uh, human rights, uh, aren't do anything uh, about it. Uh, and all of you maybe heard about the designation uh, that happened against six uh, Palestinian society organization, uh, that they are terrorist groups. This is also change that's very important. This organization working to documenting uh, the situation here in Area C and demolitions and settlers attacks. And uh, the reason they were declared as terrorist groups is because they are taking this uh, reports to the uh, ICC. It's it's very clear uh, thing. Thank you, Basil. Uh, you you also give us a sense that um, what's happening in your area is 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 so important, and it's sort of it's the 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 um, the attempts at taking over this land is so concentrated. We're not maybe seeing it as much on this side. So we very much appreciate hearing from you. And it's it's important to hear about these efforts, these increasing efforts also um, of solidarity and co-resistance. Uh, Noor, I don't know if you also want to share a little bit from your perspective. I can share, I will do it very shortly. And um, <clears throat> about like working on the ground and doing like the work uh, of uh, mostly documenting and um, I, I like I know that it's not everyone will want to do it because it's it is uh, a bit scary to be there with uh, the army and the police and the settlers but I do know that as an Israeli white Jew uh, I have much more privileged and before I even say a word like I know that my presence there is confusing for the like it it changes like the balance and the power dynamic with like me standing with the Palestinians and like soldiers come and they see me and I don't look like someone they expect to see there. And I do feel that if I'm willing to do it and I am willing to do it, I need to take advantage and like to use my privilege to empower what I can like to document. And I do know that when I am in a, a specific situation and I'm taking like I'm, I'm uh, filming, I know that they will behave differently with me. And I know that, I mean, unfortunately, it's hard to say, but I've been into a um, situation that um, like the army, because of the language and because of how I look and because of the fact that usually they will never see uh, Israelis with Palestinians, especially not Israelis that um, like Jews that maybe look more like them. Um, it breaks something um, and I feel that it's very, very, very important for us to use this privilege and to stand there and to document um, and we witness like it is, it, it has a lot of power and there are much more uh, document, 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 documentation, how do you say it? Document documentation. <laughs> documentation, thank you. Um, and it's one of the most important thing uh, that we can do like with this almost help like helpless situation like documenting hoping that in the future we will be able to use this uh this evidence of uh this uh crimes against human rights and against people um yes thank you um i think you know maybe we'll move to some questions and um before we conclude we already have a few questions from the audience and um, two of them from one of our students. So I will share um, share Sarza Yasmin is one of our students. She asks, she has a question for, I'll start with the question for Basil and Oriel. Thank you so much for sharing the current struggle and movement against the occupation. Could you talk a bit about the interaction between settlers and Palestinians? What types of mechanisms does the Israeli government use to encourage settlers to move to Area C? You can talk about 
incentives and so on. Um, so uh, Basil or Ariel, both of you, if you can address this question, then we can move on to a few others. Um, yeah, I mean, I think as Basil was saying in the last year, there have been 30 new uh, farming outposts that have been set up, um, nearly a dozen of those in the South Hebron Hills alone. Uh, and on top of the subsidizing that the Israeli state does to settlement homes, so settlement homes are cheaper than homes within 48 Israel, um, on top of the uh, stealing of land and then giving it to, to settlements to build, uh, what's happened in the last year is Israel has used this declaration of state land to, to sort of cover over um, the more extremist settlers, more ideological settlers who are going out to grab land and make it sort of clean and okay. So the, these new farming outposts are hugely, hugely detrimental to life in the South of Rundin, to life in the West Bank in general, to life in Area C, as Basil was mentioning, farming communities, shepherding communities. Um, and Israel takes this state land, empty land, um, that it has declared state land, regardless of its Palestinian ownership, and rents it to these settlers at discounted rates so that they can move on to this land and create their own shepherding uh, farms, create vineyards, and take over entire mountainsides, valleys, and really shut off communities from each other and shut off communities from their, uh, from their fields. Um, so it's a system of subsidized land, subsidized housing, uh, and primarily legal cover. As Basil was saying, when, when settlers attack, when settlers expand, the army is there to protect them. And I've heard, Basil has heard a million times, Nord has heard soldiers say, like, we are here to deal with Palestinians. We, can't, we legally can't even deal with settlers. Like, you have to call the police to deal with settlers, which means that the army is a protective presence always for settlers which encourages land takeover, violence, harassment. Um, by the time the police come, if they come at all, the settlers have done the damage. They've committed their violent acts and the army has stood by or sometimes stood alongside them um, as a protective presence. Um, so it's a, it's a full system that not only incentivizes living here, but also then gives a, a free pass, if not even encouragement to all of the settlement expansion. Thank you. So, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. We have more questions. So, I'll move on to the next question, also from Sarza for Noor this time. Noor, as you speak about trust building through polit political Arabic, I'm wondering how bi-directional trust is manifested, especially Palestinians trusting Israeli activists to contribute to resistance. Mm. Um, it's hard to build a trust. I think it's one of um, the main thing that we were facing. I mean, that we are facing as Israel learning Arabic, that there is no trust and uh, I think in order to build this trust, Israelis needs to get out of the comfort zone when they learn Arabic, and usually it doesn't happen. Usually they learn Arabic from the um, like from the more like they learn about Palestinians. They want how to use the language in order to control, and by putting yourself in a position that you you don't understand or you're you actually going through the process of being like give give up on your uh, on the strongest side in the power dynamic of the languages because Palestinians always need to learn Hebrew in order to communicate with, with Israelis. Um, so I think part of it is like putting yourself in a situation that you don't always understand and you're willing to be in this um, uncomfortable, um, like out of your comfort zone. And also by learning a lot, learning the terms and wanting to learn like the the language of how, like it's very, um, the, the way they use terminology about to describe the situation here, while you learn the language, I think you're able to understand the situation completely different. And the way you speak in Arabic about the situation will be completely different than how they present it in Hebrew because they 
they manipul manipulate the, the, the narrative. And I think that, um, I'm sorry, I don't, I want to go far from the question itself. Um, I, th I think you're addressing it. It's about, yeah. about building trust and it, it sounds like it's a yeah. process, but, but, but you've given us some insight into how the language itself. Yeah, and also acknowledge that like I many times when I present myself, like I know that I can create this uncomfortable um, sense that I am an Israel that speak uh, Arabic and I address it. Like I say, I know that it's weird. I'm not from the Mukhabarat, like from the intelligence and I learned Arabic because it's important for me because I'm not Zionist and I want it. Like I know that I, I need to make the effort, even if someone, like if even if they don't ask, I feel that I need not to make an assumption that it's comfortable and normal that I speak Arabic. Unfortunately, it's not normal yet. Um, and yet yeah, it's, it's, it's learning a lot also about the process. I think it's uh, one of the main thing is like doing the process with a lot of awareness besides the learning process itself. Yeah. Awareness of who you are, what you bring. Yes. Privilege, like you've mentioned. Thank you. Um, okay. I, I'm gonna, we have a, a question from an anonymous attendee who also is asking, I guess, both for Noor or Oriel. As Israeli activists, do you fear state violence? Are solidarity as, uh, efforts more widespread among the under 40 generation in Israel? And how are young Israeli anti-expansionist activists negotiating compulsory military service. So there's several questions here, but um, I think you're, you're all within that age range. So uh, maybe you could give us a sense of, of um, how, what this means for your generation. Do you want to answer? No, do you want to, no, do you want to go first? And then I can. Um, mm. There are a few questions I need to focus on what I want to answer. Um, hmm. um, I need to understand the question better. So you want are, to start is, answering? Is, are most, people, uh, yeah. most young people sort of moving towards where you're at or are you unique? I mean, we're seeing in the US a shift in, in young people's activism and um, so, so I guess maybe that's one question. And if you are an activist, how do you negotiate not having to go to, to the military? Are people refusing to serve? Or is this still a small movement that where you're not seeing much of an impact on that level yet? We're, we don't have a lot of time, so. Yes, and unfortunately, we're not so many. I will say, George, like we are, the minority of the minority, I guess. Like now I'm, I'm surrounded mostly by people like me. So I feel that we're the majority, but I know where I came from. I know the process I've been going through. Like I went to the army and I quit the army in the middle and I felt completely alone in society. Like we are definitely like, we did like a very, uh, um, yeah, like a turn in the, like in the, like a left turn in the, what the, like where we were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, we went out of the system completely, I think, like from a system that also we were, they really didn't want us to do what we we're doing, right? Like in any aspect from our life, like we live separately. We should not be with Palestinians. Like the fact that Oriel and Bas are now together in the same room, it's against like what they tried to, to build for us and to uh, take us. So it, it's hard. And I think that the, like what is going on in Israel, it's getting even more and more extreme, like what we're seeing in Sheikh Jarrah and what we're seeing all over, like people are really, 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 really um, getting more and more extreme and more racist. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to say in one word, because I, I once said before, like to connect, like, I, because I guess, you know, like you read more and you hear more about what is happening in Jerusalem and Sheikh Jarrah and like what is going on there is, connected directly to what is happening in Safariyata and the fact that like the, the different uh, maybe methods that uh, the occupation uh, that Israel uh, is doing is might be a, dif a bit different, but it's exactly the same. And even the fact that Sheikh Jarrah and Masafariyata is not connected is 
on purpose. Uh, like they try to make everything separated so people feel more alone. Again, also as activists, we feel very much alone because we are afraid to be different. Um, I hope there will be more people. Yeah, and I think, you know, it speaks to the testament of, of what you're doing, that um, you're not part of the larger mainstream, but you are um, taking a stance and you are joining in resistance. And um, I, we could talk a lot more, but I, I, I know that our time is out. But I want to, first of all, acknowledge each one of you and to thank you for uh, sharing your stories, sharing the, the, the work that you do together and the co-resistance uh, example that you give to the world. And uh, we will, I think, now be watching more closely and understanding a little bit more as a result of you sharing about um, the challenges, but also the importance and the urgency of the issues that you are addressing. So thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sponsor Religion, Conflict and Peace Initiative. Copyright 2022, the President and Fellows of Harvard College.